Hey guys, we're going to get right into the show in just a second, but recently I've been making a lot of awesome new podcast friends, and I wanted to share some of them with you. So if you're enjoying this podcast, chances are you listen to other podcasts, so I want to introduce you to some awesome podcasts that you definitely need to check out. In the Dice Box Land is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast where we mix wrestling and fantasy. Join your hosts, current All Elite Wrestling Women's Champion, the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, Drew, Sean, Will, and me, your Dungeon Daddy Alex, as we spin this tale every other Wednesday on Spotify. You can search for us under In The Dice Box Slam, and follow us on Twitter at In The Dice Box, and use the hashtag SlamCast to join in on any giveaways and on the fun. Do it, or Nyla will find you and put you through a table. Hey Michelle. Yeah. Let's get this uh, promo recorded before the kids run in. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Dino. And Michelle. And we're here with Hub Podcast. We've had a few small changes, but we're still here giving you talk about film, faith, family, TV, TV, whatever we feel like talking about. And, what do we say? <laughs> Be decent to each other. Alright, guys. You can catch us on Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, and all your favorite podcatchers. Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Phil. And this is Terror Tales. We are a weekly podcast show discussing our favorites in horror movies, music, and other melancholy media. We dive headfirst into the plot, the kills, and so much more. At the end of each episode, and throughout each recording, we sprinkle in some fun facts about the topic, too. We can be found on many services like Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So turn down the lights, lock your bedroom door, and come get scared with us every Tuesday and Friday. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Kev, and I'm here on behalf of the Bottom of the Bottom Entertainment crew. And I'm here to talk about that Acting the Donkey podcast, where we talk about music, sports, life in general. But our main thing is talking about music. Old school hip-hop, R&B, soul, top 40, whatever. We talk about it from a comedy perspective that's going to keep you entertained and laughing your tails off. It's fun, it's witty, it's organic, and it's authentic. So sing along and laugh along with me and the crew. Jai Baby Face, song from OHIO, and that boy Just Javal. And you can catch that Acting the Donkey podcast on Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all your social media platforms. This is something that you've been missing. We'll holler at you. And welcome back to Another World Audiobooks. We are getting here part two of The Adventure of the Yellow Face and in the memoirs of Sherlock Holmes. So, hope you guys are enjoying the story so far. Uh, definitely, uh, this portion of it kind of shows the age of the story, so just keep that in mind. Uh, but don't forget the contest. I'm not going to repeat the rules, but you can go to the blog, you can go to the social media. I've got it pinned on my Facebook and Twitter um, as like uh, pinned posts there, so you can find the instructions for how to enter the competition and get those four free of <laughs> full versions of the Sherlock Holmes audiobooks. Uh, yeah, giant package of audiobooks. Hope you guys go ahead and uh, do that, and I look forward to seeing your posts on social media. Uh, and yeah, without further ado, I give you the conclusion of The Yellow Face. 
each time that I saw it, I was some distance away from it, so that it is impossible for me to say. You appear, however, to have been disagreeably impressed by it. It seemed to be of an unnatural colour, and to have a strange rigidity about the features. When I approached, it vanished with a jerk. How long is it since your wife asked you for a hundred pounds? Nearly two months. Have you ever seen a photograph of her first husband? No. There was a great fire at Atlanta very shortly after his death, and all her papers were destroyed. And yet she had a certificate of death. You say that you saw it? Yes, she got a duplicate after the fire. Did you ever meet anyone who knew her in America? No. Did she ever talk of revisiting the place? No. Or get letters from it? No. Thank you. I should like to think over the matter a little now. If the cottage is now permanently deserted, we may have some difficulty. If, on the other hand, as I fancy is more likely, the inmates were warned of your coming, and left before you entered yesterday, then they may be back now, and we should clear it all up easily. Let me advise you, then, to return to Norbury, and to examine the windows of the cottage again. If you have reason to believe that it is inhabited, do not force your way in, but send a wire to my friend and me. We shall be with you within an hour of receiving it, and we shall then very soon get to the bottom of the business. And if it is still empty? In that case, I shall come out tomorrow and talk it over with you. Goodbye, and above all, do not fret until you know that you really have a cause for it. I am afraid that this is a bad business, Watson, said my companion as he returned after accompanying Mr. Grant Monroe to the door. What do you make of it? It had an ugly sound, I answered. Yes, there's blackmail in it, or I'm much mistaken. And who is the blackmailer? Well, it must be the creature who lives in the only comfortable room in the place, and has her photograph above his fireplace. Upon my word, Watson, there is something very attractive about that livid face at the window, and I would not have missed the case for worlds. You have a theory? Yes, a provisional one. But I shall be surprised if it does not turn out to be correct. This woman's first husband is in that cottage. Why do you think so? How else can we explain her frenzied anxiety that her second one should not enter it? The facts, as I read them, are something like this. This woman was married in America. Her husband developed some hateful qualities. Or shall we say that he contracted some loathsome disease and became a leper or an imbecile? She flies from him at last, returns to England, changes her name, and starts her life, as she thinks, afresh. She has been married three years, and believes that her position is quite secure, having shown her husband the death certificate of some man whose name she has assumed, when suddenly her whereabouts is discovered by her first husband, or, we may suppose, by some unscrupulous woman who has attached herself to the invalid. They write to the wife, and threaten to come and expose her. She asks for a hundred pounds and endeavours to buy them off. They come in spite of it, and when the husband mentions casually to the wife that there are newcomers in the cottage, she knows in some way that they are her pursuers. She waits until her husband is asleep, and then she rushes down to endeavour to persuade them to leave her in peace. Having no success, she goes again next morning, and her husband meets her, as he told us as she comes out. 
She promises him then not to go there again, but two days afterwards, the hope of getting rid of those dreadful neighbours was too strong for her, and she made another attempt, taking down with her the photograph which had probably been demanded from her. In the midst of this interview, the maid rushed in to say that the master had come home, on which the wife, knowing that he would come straight down to the cottage, hurried the inmates out at the back door, into the grove of fir trees probably, which was mentioned as standing near. In this way, he found the place deserted. I shall be very much surprised, however, if it is still so when he reconnoiters it this evening. What do you think of my theory? It is all surmise. But at least it covers all the facts. When new facts come to our knowledge which cannot be covered by it, it will be time enough to reconsider it. We can do nothing more until we have a message from our friend at Norbury. But we had not a very long time to wait for that. It came just as we had finished our tea. The cottage is still tenanted, it said. Have seen the face again at the window. We'll meet the seven o'clock train and will take no steps until you arrive. He was waiting on the platform when we stepped out, and we could see in the light of the station lamps that he was very pale and quivering with agitation. They are still here, Mr. Holmes, said he laying his hand hard upon my friend's sleeve. I saw lights in the cottage as I came down. We shall settle it now once and for all. What is your plan, then? asked Holmes, as we walked down the dark, tree-lined road. I'm going to force my way in and see for myself who was in the house. I wish you both to be there as witnesses. You are quite determined to do this in spite of your wife's warning that it is better that you should not solve the mystery. Yes, I am determined. Well, I think that you are in the right. Any truth is better than indefinite doubt. We had better go up at once. Of course, legally, we are putting ourselves hopelessly in the wrong, but I think that it is worth it. It was a very dark night, and a thin rain began to fall as we turned from the high road into a narrow lane, deeply rutted, with hedges on either side. Mr. Grant Munro pushed impatiently forward, however, and we stumbled after him as best we could. There are the lights of my house, he murmured, pointing to a glimmer among the trees. And here is the cottage which I am going to enter. We turned a corner in the lane as he spoke, and there was the building close beside us. A yellow bar falling across the black foreground showed that the door was not quite closed, and one window in the upper story was brightly illuminated. As we looked, we saw a dark blur moving across the blind. There is that creature, cried Grant Monroe. You can see for yourselves that someone is there. Now, follow me, and we shall soon know all. We approached the door, but suddenly a woman appeared out of the shadow and stood in the golden track of the lamplight. I could not see her face in the darkness, but her arms were thrown out in an attitude of entreaty. For God's sake, don't, Jack, she cried. I had a presentiment that you would come this evening. Think better of it, dear. Trust me again, and you will never have cause to regret it. I have trusted you too long, Effie, he cried sternly. Let go of me. I must pass you. My friends and I are going to settle this matter once and forever. He pushed her to one side, and we followed closely after him. As he threw the door open, an old woman ran out in front of him and tried to bar his passage, but he thrust her back, and an instant afterwards we were all upon the stairs. Grant Monroe rushed into the lighted room at the top, and we entered at his heels. 
It was a cozy, well-furnished apartment, with two candles burning upon the table and two upon the mantelpiece. In the corner, stooping over a desk, there sat what appeared to be a little girl. Her face was turned away as we entered, and we could see that she was dressed in a red frock and that she had long white gloves on. As she whisked round to us, I gave a cry of surprise and horror. The face which she turned towards us was of the strangest livid tint, and the features were absolutely devoid of any expression. An instant later, the mystery was explained. Holmes, with a laugh, passed his hand behind the child's ear, a mask peeled off from her countenance, and there was a little coal-black negress, with all her white teeth flashing in amusement at our amazed faces. I burst out laughing, out of sympathy with her merriment, but Grand Monroe stood staring, with his hand clutching his throat. "'My God!' he cried. "'What can be the meaning of this?' "'I will tell you the meaning of it,' cried the lady, sweeping into the room with a proud, set face. "'You have forced me, against my own judgment, to tell you, and now we must both make the best of it. My husband died at Atlanta.' My child survived. Your child? She drew a large silver locket from her bosom. You have never seen this open. I understood that it did not open. She touched a spring, and the front hinged back. There was a portrait within of a man strikingly handsome and intelligent-looking, but bearing unmistakable signs upon his features of his African descent. That is John Hebron of Atlanta, said the lady, and a nobler man never walked the earth. I cut myself off from my race in order to wed him, but never once, while he lived, did I for an instant regret it. It was our misfortune that our only child took after his people rather than mine. It is often so in such matches, and little Lucy is darker far than ever her father was. But dark or fair, she is my own dear little girlie, and her mother's pet." The little creature ran across at the words, and nestled up against the lady's dress. "'When I left her in America,' she continued, "'it was only because her health was weak, and the change might have done her harm. She was given to the care of a faithful Scotchwoman who had once been our servant. Never for an instant did I dream of disowning her as my child. But when chance threw you in my way, Jack, and I learned to love you, I feared to tell you about my child.' God forgive me, I feared that I should lose you, and I had not the courage to tell you. I had to choose between you, and in my weakness I turned away from my own little girl. For three years I have kept her existence a secret from you, but I heard from the nurse, and knew that all was well with her. At last, however, there came an overwhelming desire to see the child once more. I struggled against it, but in vain. Though I knew the danger, I determined to have the child over, if it were but for a few weeks. I sent a hundred pounds to the nurse, and I gave her instructions about this cottage, so that she might come as a neighbour, without my appearing to be in any way connected with her. I pushed my precautions so far as to order her to keep the child in the house during the daytime, and to cover her little face and hands, so that even those who might see her at the window should not gossip about their being a black child in the neighbourhood. If I had been less cautious, I might have been more wise, but I was half crazy with fear that you should learn the truth. It was you who told me first that the cottage was occupied. I should have waited for the morning, but I could not sleep for excitement, and so at last I slipped out, knowing how difficult it is to wake you. But you saw me go, and that was the beginning of my troubles. 
Next day you had my secret at your mercy, but you nobly refrained from pursuing your advantage. Three days later, however, the nurse and child only just escaped from the back door as you rushed in at the front one, and now tonight you would last know all. And I ask you, what is to become of us, my child and me? She clasped her hands and waited for an answer. It was a long ten minutes before Grant Monroe broke the silence, and when his answer came, it was one of which I loved to think. He lifted the little child, kissed her, and then, still carrying her, he held his other hand out to his wife and turned towards the door. "'We can talk it over more comfortably at home,' said he. "'I am not a very good man, Effie.' but I think that I am a better one than you have given me credit for being. Holmes and I followed them down the lane, and my friend plucked at my sleeve as we came out. I think, said he, that we shall be of more use in London than in Norbury. Not another word did he say of the case until late that night, when he was turning away with his lighted candle for his bedroom. Watson, said he, if it should ever strike you that I am getting a little overconfident in my powers, or giving less pains to a case than it deserves, kindly whisper Norbury in my ear, and I shall be infinitely obliged to you. And there you have it. True Sherlock Holmes fans will know that the word Norbury holds a very special meaning. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Hope you are enjoying this so far. Like I always say, um, yeah, I, I do this for you guys. And just to see you downloading and enjoying the podcast just warms my heart. So, and yeah, if you want to get into the contest, that is heating up, definitely. And like I said, there's going to be five winners. So you have a really good chance of, of getting your name drawn. And, you know, who knows? I might just uh, send out some consolation prizes, which I can be pretty generous when it comes to consolation prizes. So don't think that, oh, uh, you know, whatever in five chance of winning is not good enough, so I'm not going to do it. Go ahead and enter. You'll, you might be very uh, favorably impressed as to how generous I can be for those people who aren't in that top five that actually win the Sherlock package. You might end up winning something else. So it's definitely worth your while to take a minute, leave a review, post on social media and tag another world audiobooks and uh yeah i'll be getting in touch soon got another episode coming for you here next week remember if you want to hear more content the best way to do that is just to go to anchor.fm slash another world audiobooks and click on support this podcast your support will help me be able to put more time into this and provide more episodes for you on a more um more often longer episodes all that good stuff so go ahead and check that out if you want to if not just remember to share the podcast talk to you next time When I was in school, I absolutely hated writing. It wasn't until I was a bit older that I came to understand the power of words. If you're a business owner, you understand that power too. A business blog, when done right, can drive sales, increase revenue, and get you more customers. But as a business owner, you probably don't have the time to do all that writing. Plus, if you're not a copywriter by trade, you might feel like you're just kind of throwing words out there and they're not actually accomplishing anything. The good news is, there's a simple solution. Check it out. I call it the ultimate blog post checklist for businesses with online stores. This checklist will allow you to write better, more effective articles that convert readers into buyers. It's full of easy-to-follow examples to get your creativity flowing based on experience of nearly a million words written. And best of all, it's effective on any type of article in any industry or niche. I've successfully used this exact checklist on topics from pool table reviews to investment advice. Tired of spending tons of time writing stuff that doesn't convert? This checklist will change that by giving you highly effective blog posts and articles that transform readers into paying customers. Go to Invicta.Enterprises slash free checklist and start saving time and transforming your writing now. That's Invicta.Enterprises slash free checklist.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 